This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture, with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. Determining architectural fees is a mystery to most, and that includes architects. So sharpen your pencils and get your calculators ready, because demystifying architectural fees is today's topic. Today's episode is brought to you by Pella. Hi everyone, I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today we are coming to you from the show village at IBS in, I would say, sunny Las Vegas, but it actually snowed it's snowy here. snowy Las Vegas. It snowed yeah. here. Someone said that it was like the apocalypse that we brought it. This is on us. Yeah, it's our fault. It's not our fault. Can you feel that electricity in the air? <laughs> sure. Can certainly. you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's just me, but I'm pretty sure that I'm sensing the excitement by all our listeners today. Because we're talking about architectural fees, which is one of the most asked questions I get on my website. The big mystery. Yeah, they don't understand it. They're confusing. Yeah. It's like, what does this work? How does it, how do you do that? What should I charge? What am I getting for what I pay for? Well, we all seem to do it differently. Like, there's not a consensus. And we make it up. Yeah. So, I've written a couple blog posts on this very subject on my site. And they are among the most trafficked articles I've ever written. And they haven't really changed since I wrote them almost 10 years ago. You know, maybe the the numbers themselves may have changed, but not the way that the numbers are calculated or processed. Yeah, the way it all works. Sure. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about. And if if I were to put 10 architects in a room, chances are they're all going to do their, their billing and generate their numbers all slightly differently. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree. Definitely. Yeah. Just a little bit, even if they're based on quite it's somewhat the same thing. Yeah, there's nuances between right. all of them. So there are many different ways that architects charge for their fees, hourly, percentage of construction, some combination of the two, a la carte based on specific phase of service, i.e. like schematic design, design development, construction documentation. Yeah, sort of a grocery list of buying different options kind of thing. That's right. Some yeah. people do it by cost of square foot of construction. So to make things really interesting, sometimes we use a combination of those variables. Just, just to mix it up. That's right. And so we're going to dive in that today. I think it's going to be pretty interesting. But I need to let everyone know, you're probably going to hear a lot of background noise during this recording because we're in one of the the homes that was built for the event here in the show village. And there's people walking around us everywhere. Yeah. There's a tour going on right now. It's nothing like, <laughs> there's you know, a, 40, there's, there's a guy actually trying to get in the door yeah, he was, right outside behind us right now. Yeah. Wes. <laughs> hey, Wes. He doesn't even know. We've just immortalized him. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Wes. Yeah. <laughs> Check out that window flashing. Isn't it amazing? He's like, look how big that window is. <laughs> that sliding door. It's huge. I want that in my own house. It is cold out here. Yeah. He's getting rained on. <laughs> Bye, Wes. Yeah. I'll see you later, Wes. Okay. So let's start with hourly. So hourly is just like it sounds. There's an hourly chart for different level positions. Like we charge different amounts if you're the principal, if you're a project architect or the manager. Or you're an intern or, or administrator or any of those things, right? Everybody's right. got an assigned value. Value. I know that on our projects, when we come together with, and I should say up front, the way our office charges on all our residential projects is hourly. And that's the way we do it. It's amazing. Well, here's the thing. Everyone seems to think if you don't charge hourly, they're like, oh my God, that's the greatest. No, it's really not. It's a very defensible way to run a business because what happens is at best, let's say that I'm 100% billable, like every bit of my time is billable. Which, which is, you won't be. It never. The higher up you go, the less that your billable time becomes. That's right. Yeah. And so 
when we when we put things together, I'm never going to be 100% billable, yeah. right? So already my hourly rate is being dinged for the fact that I can't charge for all that time. And the other moving part to that is a good way to describe it is that we try to assign the right level of billing rate based on the task at hand. And since nobody's always billable, we can't have like those home run hits. Like if I tell you, hey, I'll design your house for a billion dollars and I get it done with only half a billion dollars worth of effort. I got a half a billion in the pocket, pure profit. Right, which yeah. doesn't happen. No, we, it doesn't. So it's defensible in the sense that if I if I work two hours, you only get charged for two hours. Yeah, I think you still run into the problem of having, even then, right, you have to defend those hours, it seems like, with some clients, not all clients, right? But even at some point, you're having to defend, wait, that took you eight hours to do? That should have taken you eight hours. Yeah. And they don't really understand for sure. that it does take you eight hours, or maybe it took you ten, and you're only billing for eight, but... You know, because there is some some reason to that as well. But I have two funny. Well, maybe not funny. <laughs> so in <laughs> in my last office, so when I was responsible for writing up what the tasks were accomplished for the week or for the for the billing period, we didn't include. We did percentage of construction. So we just said major things that occurred during this billing cycle were X. We just kind of said this is what we did. Yeah. In my office now, we have everybody fill out their timesheets, and it it says on Monday, I spent this many hours, and these are the things that I did, right? And so, and we send that backup information to the client, which I always think is kind of a bad idea, right? Because then then they might ask questions about, like, why did something take so long? So long, Even though we have it. And so one of the times we actually put it together, the client came back and said, you spent three hours picking out a toilet? Like, that seems crazy to me. Toilets aren't that hard. (laughs) And we had to say, well, but here's the difference. You wanted this certain kind of toilet. You wanted this certain kind of low flow. You wanted to not have the buttons on the top that had like the low flow and the heavier flow. He had like 18 moving parts to this toilet that he wanted. And I can't just like go to brand X and pick it out. Are you like, oh, I know that exact toilet. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of crazy. Yeah, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. All you got to do is walk around the show floor here and you'll see how many numbers of toilets there are that you could pick from. A lot of options. Tons of toilets. One of the other things that's nice about doing hourly fees is when the scope of work is not clearly defined. You know, yeah, it's nice to wrangle things that way where you you don't lose it, right? You're not losing your budget as of a fee because it's it's based on how much you're working, right? That's right. So someone can say, "I want to do X," but they don't really know all the moving parts to what it is they're asking for, and they can't articulate it that to us, which happens actually with more oh, regularity yeah, sure. than you might imagine. For sure. So that works out pretty well. So we like that part of it. It allows us to kind of hone in on what it is that we're being asked to do so that we're not charging them to do work that is unnecessary or that they don't need. So a lot of clients like that aspect of it, that we, we're not guessing on what the scope work could end up being. Sure. We know what it's going to be, sure. but they don't have to pay for that exploration and have a profit margin that's kind of encapsulated to a fixed fee. Well, yeah. And you know, I think there's another component to that where some people actually they have sort of a flat fee for that period of discovery. I know a couple of firms and companies where they do sure. this sort of like, well, we're going to charge you X number of dollars to get it figured out what we have to do. And then from there, we'll figure out how we're going to charge you for the rest of it. Right. And that's like a, almost like a pre-consultation thing, but a little bit more in depth so that we can figure it out. Right? Sure. And when we do our best kind of pre-construction discovery is when we're sitting on a beach <laughs> drinking cocktails. Yeah, yeah my right? So we got to oh, build yeah, that sure. into our fee. Always. Yeah. Right? We're going we're gonna to solve what you want, but I can It's going to be it. in the Maldives. That's <laughs> that's right. we got to go somewhere awesome because that's where the creative juice really is. That's goes. right. For sure. Yeah. So another way that 
some firms, I've never done it this way. Maybe you have, but I know it exists. It, it seems to happen with, with a more of a development kind of stand. Like if you do volume work or production work or, uh, or builder type homes, what they'll end up doing is coming up with a per square foot fee. Fee. Yeah. Right. And again, I've never done it before, but I, I've had people come to me and say, do you charge like this? And our answer is always no, but I, I will tell you that I find this method both unreliable and unreasonable. At some point, right? But I think it's it's an easier thing for the consumer to gauge. I think in the residential market, at least, where it's like, all right, my home's going to be 2,000 square feet. You're going to charge, you know, X number of dollars per square foot. And there yeah, it is. Yeah, I know what that's going to be. Sure, but there's too many moving parts. So if you come to firms like ours, for instance, where you're not buying a plan out of a book and saying, give me option D here, and you're paying for me to stitch it together as site adapted, Right. So if somebody comes to me and they want all the things that are associated with what we do, which is the customization, like I sleep on the left side of the bed and I get up early. So it makes sense to put the door to the master bathroom on this side of the bed. You're not going to get that on per square foot fee projects. They're they're not set up to work that way. Well, if they are, though, they're just not there. It's going to be a crazy number. Right. It's going to be like 30 million dollars per square billion. foot. Yeah. Right. So for sure, I think there's got to be some way that they figure some of that in there, but I don't think you can figure all the variables into that per square foot cost. No. And here's another consideration. Let's say that you specialize in modern architecture, right? A lot of the time that we spend when we're documenting this is making sure that our brick modules work with our window pattern. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's a level of coordination that I think is relatively cheap to solve on paper, but would be crazy expensive to try to figure it out when there's eight guys standing in the field, you know, and trying to make it work. Six of them yeah. are masons. One of them's the owner. One of them's the developer, the builder. And I'm looking at where my window is, and it's half engaged in the top course of this brick, and this brick is chopped off on the end. Yeah. Oh, don't get me started. So I think for homes that are highly coordinated, which in my mind are cheaper, it, that's good money. Yeah. Right. You solving problems on paper, even when you're paying for it, is always less expensive than solving it in the field where you're paying for materials and labor and that's not right. Do it again and tear it out. Like, you know, yeah, for sure. It's pretty sure. straightforward. Well, at that point, I would say now that we've introduced per square foot fees and hourly, and let's talk about combination fee structures. What the combination would suggest is, hey, let's do hourly for, say, the discovery period, say programming and schematic design. For the first 20% And even of design development. Let's say we do that hourly. So that gives us all the flexibility we need to solve the problems. And then once the scope is clearly defined, defined. at that point and we're creating construction documents, internally we can say, I know what I'm doing now. I know how long it should take for me to do that work. Here's a fixed fee for us to provide to you construction documents that are suitable for either bidding or for permit approval and for construction. Sure. Right? And then once that gets done, we have a policy in our office, at least on my projects, where we you have to hire us to do construction administration, right? We don't want to take jobs from people that don't want us to make sure that what we said the contractor should do is actually getting done. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit different for me and my construction work. It's kind of always that way. Yeah, I absolutely. don't do work without it. I mean, oh, commercially, there's, there's I no way. It's definitely more of a residential kind of set of circumstances. Idea. Sure. And so, but then you could go back and say, all right, we have a fixed fee for construction documents, but we're going to go back to the hourly mod model for construction administration, which means 
I'm there to participate. I'm there to make sure that things get done correctly, but I, it's on, it's on demand. It's on call. Yeah. So we do something like that. Do you guys, well, I guess you probably don't though, but I would imagine some people even have a sort of a not to exceed number just to give somebody a bit of comfort Comfort. in that whole thing. Right. To be like, yeah, all right. It's going to take six months for your house or a year for your house. And we're not going to, we're not going to bust you on that. Here's our top limit. We're going to charge you up until this point. And then if we reach that point, well, we may have a discussion. If it's, if it's two months into construction. Right. That seems very reasonable. But I will tell you for me personally, I don't like the combination fee structure because it rewards. And this is hard to say, but I can say we don't do it because it rewards the incompetent architect for doing a bad job. Right. I can, you can pay me all this money to do all this design work. And then I can do really bad construction drawings, which, you know, I'm, I'm capped on my fee for that. Right. So what's my motivation to really spend all that extra time to just get exactly detail it out and everything. The model, I go back to getting paid hourly to solve all the problems that I didn't solve during the construction document phase. That's true. That's a poor mentality. I hope nobody really does that. Yes. I hope that nobody does that, but let's be honest. I think there are people out there that don't do, great construction oh yeah i guarantee that i don't think it's with the idea in mind that i'm going to make it up on that. no no i'm not suggesting that it's willful behavior yeah but i do suggest that you know there's different levels of skill from the people producing these drawings and i would say my set of documents is really good here's an example folks i just did a 1.9 million dollar job had it bid the two bids came in less than a thousand dollars from one another yeah on 1.9 million yeah you can always tell that's when it's better documents is when the bids are so much tighter yeah, and I mean, I tell my all my commercial clients that too, right? It's like if I can do my job during design, documentation, production, it's going to make it easier, and you're going to get better bids because they're not having to guess. They're not going to have to guess at oh, what did he mean by this? Or I draw something and there's no backup behind it or details to it. If you give them all that information, then they can really nail down into it and go, this is what it's going to take and what it's going to cost. Sure, and they're not just throwing money to cover it up. Well, right? it also it also makes sure that. When the contractor is putting the bid together, there's a certain skill. Obviously, there's skill to, to bidding a project. For sure. And that contractor, you may not have said exactly what X should be. But the good contractor will say, well, based on the things that I do know, this is the standard of care or attention or quality that I should extend to this hole that I don't know. Not take the path to say, well, you didn't tell me what it is, so I didn't put any money for it. Or... Since it's a competitive bid, sometimes they're motivated to put like the cheapest, worst, lowest dollar thing in there. Yeah. Just so that they can say, It's covered. I'm, I'm the low bid. I got something in there. And you didn't say what it was. So I put in this $3 toilet. That's right. It's <laughs> right. a box with some sawdust in yeah, it. And it's good to go. <laughs> and we're going to have it. Yeah. You know, and then it's back on me. Now I'm at hourly, right? To vet all those bids yeah. and say, Why is your, your toilet number? Three dollars. Yeah, yeah. Why is it so low? The other guy's at forty grand. You're at eighteen dollars. Yeah, exactly. And he goes, "The six toilets. They were three dollars a piece." It's my job to find that there's a bucket of sawdust included in that plumbing bid, as yeah. opposed to Hopefully. the Toto toilet that's on par with everything everybody else. else's. Yeah, right? sure. That's but I'm getting paid hourly now, so score for me. Yeah, I suppose. So I, I don't like that. Okay, the next version of kind of the pricing model we have for architectural fees is percentage of construction costs. Now, for the vast majority of my time as a residential architect, that was the model that we used. And it was a pretty reasonable model for the most part. It's all in. Like, you pay a percentage of the construction costs, 
like say 10%, 12%, 15%. And if you're going to do say a, a million dollar house and I go, well, I charge 12%. So my fee is going to be $120,000. And for that, you get programming, schematic design, design development, construction drawings, bidding and negotiation and construction, construction administration. administration. You get it all. And then, and we did not limit the number of meetings that you could have. We didn't cap how many site visits that meant. That yeah, was, it was just work. It was yeah. whatever needed to be done. We you did take it, care of it. And that was the fee. I always thought that was pretty reasonable, but we lost a lot of jobs for people who simply just charged the lower percentage on their project. Yeah. Right. Well, I go, hey, we charge 12. And I'm going to charge 10. You're going to charge 10. Uh, you just saved $20,000. You can like, buy oh two toilets. God, that's amazing. You can buy whatever 18 divided by two. <laughs> no, but here's the problem with that. Most of the clients, they've never worked with an architect before. So all they see is, well, that guy's 12%. This guy's 10%. Why wouldn't I go with the 10% guy, right? Yeah. Other than sparkling personality, which may not be worth 2%. <laughs> I'm so great. It's worth 2% extra. Yeah, right. I should be bumped that up if you want personality. It's an extra line item. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's <laughs> down there at the bottom. That puts me up to 15. It's a, it's a deduct for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's probably true. I charge 12%, but if you have to engage with me, it's 7%. It's, <laughs> so, so here's what would happen. Let's say the homeowner comes in. They're like, well, I don't know why I would pay 10% here and 12% there. Go with the 10%. So where the nuance of that consideration comes in is, well, what are you getting for that 10%, 10 yeah. versus the 12%? Because they don't know. That falls into the, I don't know what I don't know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody has sort of a, well, I shouldn't say everybody. Most architects seem to have a standard level of care, at least the good ones, right? I mean, that they're going to provide. X number of services within that percentage, but some don't. And in my market, in the commercial side, I'm supplying a whole lot more in that percentage, probably than a residential person, even because I've got consultants and surveys and geotechnical studies and right. But those all are those all, engineers. Those are all those are all broken out a little bit, though. It's like it's like when we do commercial work, we have our fees, and it says here's what our fees are. But when I have geotech and that kind, of, I mean, we say what those are. Yeah, I know. I, do I don't want them to say. Wow, I'm paying my architect a scrillion dollars, and I go, no, 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 I'm only a portion of a that. Portion scrillion. Of that. It goes yeah. to all the people. And that's you how mentioned. I do it too, right? I, there's a transparency in the way that I present fees. I used to not do it. I used to just be a flat percentage of construction, right? Early on when I took over my company, because that's how it was done before. But now I've become much more transparent in that effort to say, all right, it's yes, here's the fee, but I'm breaking out. This is how much you're paying me. This is how much you're paying all these other people. And that's why, that's want, what gets to the fee. Because you want people to feel sorry for you. Well, no, I just want people to understand though, right? <laughs> I mean, they don't have to feel sorry for me, but they need to understand that you're, all this money that you are paying, which you probably think is a lot of money, isn't all for me. I'm not like putting that all in my pocket and going to the Maldives like we were talking about earlier. I've got to give that to other people that are working for me as well. Yeah, absolutely. So if, if, we, just, if we just kind of put a bow on it, we say percentage of cost of construction seems fairly straightforward. Right, I go. I have a million dollars. I pay my architect ten percent of it. I pay him a hundred thousand dollars. We've already kind of introduced the idea that, well, if you're looking at another architect and his scope of services, how do you know what you're getting as a deliverable from this guy at X percentage and this other architect at this other? Right. Percentage, so sure. the waters start to get muddied a little bit. And let me make that even murkier. Right. Let me add another variable to this. Throw another bucket of mud yeah. in there. So, for instance, in my office. We typically do not charge for coordinating the consultant's scope of work. 
Okay, so like interior designers, landscape architects, pool design, exterior hardscape, all that kind of stuff. If they say, this is my landscape architect, they contract with those folks. And then I work with them to get what they're like, here's our elevations. Here's what we want to do. I do a lot of hardscape kind of coordination with the house. Sure. Right. That's not built into the percentage that I'm charging as a construction cost because the general contractor might not be doing the landscape installation. That might be going to somebody else to do that. True. It might not be rolled in. Yeah. Or the contractor might not be part of the interior design package. Right. But we have to say, all right, here's our backgrounds, Mr. or Mrs. Interior Designer. And here's the products that we're using that the contractor's putting in. So there's scope of work that we're coordinating that doesn't ever contribute to that percentage because it's not built into the general contractor's yeah, scope of work. stuff outside the, the actual construction of the house. That's right. So, or I could even look at uh, millwork. Like the time we spend detailing millwork and then getting shop drawings and coordinating that. What if the 10% guy doesn't actually do that scope of work? I mean, that's... You wouldn't know that. and that, Well, and that's even kind of down a rabbit hole. That's not something they're probably going to even say that they do. That gets really deep into it. I think to explain your fees to a client about, oh, we're going to do this, this, and this. I mean, that's a laundry list of things that they that's probably right. don't even want to hear. But when the time comes, they're going to want to have. They just don't know. You're going to right? bury them. Well, uh, I, I want to talk about price gouging in a second. But before we move off of that, the thing that I think is an important kind of distinction to make is that if I were to send a contract or a proposal to somebody and I said, these are all the things that are included. And I, I mean, I'll be making things up because in theory, we may not know that level of detail on what they need. What they want at this point in time. Yeah, for sure. Or how complicated are the cabinets going to be? There's some guesswork in it. Right. I don't, I don't know. What if you do, what if you, this is going to be a traditional type of project and I have you know, inset cabinets and they're going to have shaker panel doors as to modified overlay. The level of my drawings and coordinations. Completely different. It's completely yeah. different. Right. And if I send them a list and I make up all the things that I know are going to be coordinated and along with the things that I think might be coordinated, they're going to get tired head. And oh, then yeah, they're going to look sure. at it and say, this is way too much. This is why I'm paying you more. Because you're charging for stuff that I don't know that I need at this point. I don't even know what it is. What are you right. talking about? Yeah. yeah. So then what ends up happening is you end up saying, all right, well, what if there's a laundry? And I have, I do know a few architects that do that. They say, here's the kind of the base package of drawings. So we kind of call them builder sets. Yeah. And it's sure. like all you get if you need a permit. Right. The, so it's kind really, of the minimum. That's right. Yeah, so sure. it's like you get a floor plan. You get an electrical lighting plan. You get some you elevations. Elevations. And... A roof plan. And like one wall section. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you don't get interior elevations. You don't get cabinetry design. You don't get yeah. oversight and coordination. You don't get any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, you get the bare minimum to get a permit and for somebody to build it, but they're going to make a lot of on-site decisions about what you're getting. That's right. And you, Dick and James, homeowner, are having to be way more involved, involved and available to answer questions. And everyone thinks that, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm decisive and I'm readily available. Yeah, for sure. And what they don't realize is, oh, it's oh oh, you're telling me it's five hundred thousand questions that I have to answer over the next twelve to fourteen months. Yeah, exactly. I don't and they're like, like that. I got a job. I don't have time for yeah. that. Right. So I have seen it where some architects will come up with like a menu, like base services is six percent, but if you want this, it's an extra two percent, and if you want that, it's one yeah. percent. And so that way, as you discover, as you go through the process, what you need, and you already know what the what the fee is going to be for that, right? 
the problem I have with that to a certain extent is it maybe problem it's not the right way to describe it. Normally what happens is if I say I do all this anyway, whatever you need, and I charge twelve percent, right? The guy that says I do six percent, and then you realize as you get into it, well, I do need this coordination, I do need millwork drawings, and I do need all this kind of stuff. You add up all those a la carte percentages, you might be at like twenty percent. Yeah. Forgetting the same thing that I was offering at 12, but I've already lost the job because you thought six was a much was better, a better percentage than 10 or whatever it is. Exactly. More from Life of an Architect in just a moment. Andrew, have you ever been in a house that doesn't have windows? Um, definitely not, man. Not ever. Right, because that would be stupid. As an architect who designs residential projects, I'd like to go on record and say here today that windows in houses are good. I cannot agree more. Windows are good because they allow outside light to come into your house and become inside light. Windows are good because sometimes you open them because you want to get some fresh air. Do you ever want fresh air inside your house, Andrew? Yeah, man, I like fresh air. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> but you know what I don't like? Bugs. In particular, mosquitoes. Did you know that mosquitoes are responsible for over 750,000 human deaths every year? Whoa. They're the worst kind of flying bug. And if you're going to open your windows, you have to take care to keep mosquitoes out of your house. That's why screens on windows are important. But, and let's be honest here, nobody likes to look through windows that have screens on them. That's why I'm a big fan of the new integrated roll screen window from Pella. The screen is magically hidden at the top and bottom of the window, so it's out of sight when the window is closed, but is there protecting your family whenever the window is open. The other cool thing is you don't lose any of the tilt-in cleaning functionality that our clients have come to expect. The screen automatically disengages when you tilt the window in for cleaning, and then re-engages when you close it. This innovation is so obvious. There's no storage, no taking screens in and out during seasonal changes, and no cleaning of the screen because it's literally hidden in the frame of the window and only opens if the window is open. Trust me and go check this product out at Pella.com. Innovating quality products is something Pella has been passionate about since 1925. When they first opened their doors over 90 years ago, their product was a patented casement window roll screen retractable windows. That's how they got their start. A screen that rolled up out of the way when it wasn't in use. A revolutionary product that they still offer today, and they are building on that legacy with this new integrated roll screen product. Pella's focus on innovation has produced another winner, and it's a great example of the way they think about their products. Inspired design, exceptional detail. Check them out at Pella.com. So let's get into to the myth of price gouging. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. This is not something, well, at least in the context of how I mean it, it's not a commercial issue. It's not something we see too often on ours, and, and I'll tell you why. Because normally when the price gouging comes up, the homeowner is saying, well, if I pay you a percentage of my construction costs, like am I, if I buy a really expensive chandelier as opposed to something from Ikea, you're getting your 10 or 12% you're getting your cut out of that. on yeah. all this kind of stuff. Or they're like, what's to stop you from specifying more expensive materials or building a bigger house than what I, what I asked for and driving the cost up because you get more money for that. Which I think my old boss used to talk about that kind of stuff too, right? They, I think it doesn't happen as much as it used to, or the idea about it wasn't as strong as it used to be, but it was a thing, right? Where you're, all right, instead of a you know $8 floor, you're going to do a $28 floor, and then you're going to get the extra money off of that, right? Well, here's, okay, so here's why I think, 
if I can be so bold, is to say it's kind of stupid. It's a it will, and by that stupid, I mean it's an uninformed response to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, saying someone's stupid always a bad way to go. Yeah, for sure. But no, what I was going to say is that what I was trying to say is that the homeowner doesn't realize that, like, if you come to me and say I want to do a house and I have a million dollars to spend, I have a responsibility for designing a house to that budget. So I always tell people, if this is the real budget, let's go. Don't like have a fake budget. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, cause I have some responsibility for meeting your needs. And part of your needs is this is the bag of money I cap. have to spend. Yeah. And if you make decisions along the way that I think are going to ruin our ability to hit the cap, I'm going to tell, tell you, I'm going to tell you then, because guess what? If we send it out and the contractor comes back and goes, Hey, that million dollar, 5,500 square foot house that you designed, it came in at 1.2. I have to fix that. That's on me. Oh, yeah. We have to go back and change everything and try to figure out where to get back 200 grand out and of the we, house. And right? we yeah. don't, we can't, you know, especially if you're like percentage of construction, we never charged for that. That was like, we yeah. had the responsibility to hit that number. So, okay, homeowners, if you say that this is my budget and this is what I'm working with, and at no point in the process did I say, hey, you got some skin in the game here because you're making a decision that's going to, it's putting that million dollar bucket at, for risk. Your, yeah. at risk and they say, no, nah, I want to do it anyway, right? Then everyone's got a little responsibility, but that's responsibility that we discuss and we talk about along the way, like in real time when it happens. Yeah. But if you don't tell me your budget, right, and I go over that, then I go, that's, that's kind of on them. So my motivation is not to ding you by putting more expensive materials in there because if I blow the budget, that's on me, and I have, I have to eat to that. Fix it. I got to fix yeah. it. I don't want to do that. And actually, you're you're eating it to fix it because that's right. Yeah. So it's it's an un. So what I was trying to say, it's an uninformed position for the homeowner to walk in. They just don't understand it. Yeah. So it's an easy enough thing to explain once they if they ask the question. And the other thing is, is we use this as an example. Like I don't charge for pools, meaning like if the landscape architect's it's putting in put this a giant pool. pool in, yeah. I go, all right, well, there's not really anything I have to do here. You're going to spend grand on a pool. I'm, I'm not getting I'm not taking 10, my piece of that because I'm not doing anything with it. That's right. <laughs> or if they say, hey, I want this crystal chandelier over my dining room table, and it's a $50,000 piece. Well, I'm not charging for that. That's not. I don't view that as part of my budget because I can. all I need is a J-Box and power and a switch. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me if you're putting an $8 fixture or an $800,000 fixture. There's no additional work on my part. Yeah. So we don't ding for like these specialty items. I just, but I think it used don't. to be a thing. I feel like for a while. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But, you know. Are you enjoying all the sounds of it's, this it's live fantastic. studio audience? It's a live everything. <laughs> you know, I always wonder if, if we did a, a live studio audience. Like at some point, do you say, hey, you in the front row. Shut up. No. See, you're so mean. I was going to say... <laughs> I was gonna say, hey, you in the first row, you having a good time? Go get me a drink and oh, bring it up here. Okay, like help me. Well, help, I was just, hey, yeah, out. Hey, yeah, stop banging on the handrail there, guy. You, you, yeah. can you quit do that? Yeah, you're coming through the feed. See, everybody thinks I'm the mean one. Yeah, I'm not. I didn't know the drinks were available on the table. If they were on the table, I'm gonna say, I say, hey, Ed, can you go give me a drink right yeah, now? Yeah, where's Ed? <laughs> Where did now we need him? Get that guy back. Hey, you remember that time you were pounding on the glass? Yeah. That cost you two cocktails. <laughs> delivered to us. Oh, Wes, you mean earlier. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Wes. Wes yeah. Sorry, Ed. I was talking about this, Ed, but you were talking yeah, about no, stupid Wes. No, no, no. Wes. Ed's on our team. I'm not sending him out for uh, chores. You were talking about stupid Wes. Hey, Wes, 
Yeah, there's I'm, free beer out there somewhere. Bring me a couple. Yeah, right. I know it's cold. It's 32 degrees outside. That beer will be even better. <laughs> exactly. Because we're not at, we're not out there drinking it. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so we talked about the myth of price gouging, and I know you're saying that it's a thing. Well, no, I think I, I don't think, know that it's a thing. I don't think it's a thing anymore, but I think it used to be a thing. Or that the, the myth. Maybe let me phrase the myth was really prominent. Like even people on the commercial side thought that kind of stuff, right? And again, I'm not saying it wasn't uninformed, but I'm just saying it was like pervasive in the idea of hiring an architect to do something. Because so much, I think, there used to be a time, I think, when it was all percentage of construction. Like that was almost the only way that people charge fees. And so that's but where they still it had a budget to work for, right? Yeah, but I think it still didn't really matter, right? I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't get that. That makes my head explode. Well, my, they surprised. caught it on film. My head literally yeah. is exploding. Oof. I don't know how that works. I know. So in the commercial, but environment, I think it happens though, right? Because did, did it ever well, happen commercially? How yeah. How does that work? Well, you, just like you say, that well, we want to do this, we want to do that, and the architect doesn't take the time to say, "Well, look, you've got a set budget, and you want to you want to gold plate everything. Guess what? It's going to be you know extra money." And they go, that's fine, we don't care. And then you're getting the money based off that. And sometimes I think it's but easier yeah, commercial but I'm okay because with, I'm okay with that. They don't have a fixed I, number, well, I, right? I did my duty, right? If I, I say, know. you're blowing the budget. And he's like, nope, I want to have electrochromic glass everywhere. And it just drove my price up by $400,000. And now I'm coordinating like all the low voltage that's going to go all these places. I should get paid for that. I agree. But I just think at some point in time, it didn't. they weren't communicating that, though. The architect wouldn't step up and say, yeah, that's going to, you know cost more they would just be like sure we'll do it and not mention that it's going out of your budget well i yeah i said electrochromic glass for a reason because we have a commercial job right now and the owner's like i want all these things and we had some architectural things that we loved like this is gonna be the most amazing building Coolest thing ever. Gonna, yeah. it was gonna elevate me to aia gold medal winner this one project <laughs> and it came in higher than he wanted it to come in and yeah. this is this was a fixed fee for us and we determined, and we didn't really talk about it, but we determined our fixed fee based on our estimate on how much time it would take to do this scope of work. Yeah. Well, when the numbers came in, they were higher. I mean, they were crazy high. And he was on board for the whole process. But we ended up getting rid of this like metal screen that we're putting that was wrapping the building because it ended up costing like 300 grand. Yeah. And he's like, I want to cut a million dollars out of the project. And we're like, well, that's an easy one to get rid of because it's a third of what we not got to get rid of. And it was killing me to get rid of it. Because it guess was the what? coolest part, right? I didn't, I didn't charge for it. Yeah. Right? I mean, I might have actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he asked for it. He asked for it. You know, we might have we forced it on him. But he, he had some skin in the game on that. But there's yeah. lots of things that we have tried to get rid of or deal with or contend because we view that as part of our original scope. And he did want electrochromic glass, and it was really expensive and... But it's cool, but it's expensive, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing, though, is really, for me, when I start talking about it or thinking about it, I want to stay within budget, and I want to, I don't want to use up all my fee or design something that's going to be more expensive than what the budget is, because, like you said, I've just got to go back and fix it, and that's all my time that I'm not going to get paid for. Yeah. I, right? And so I just, I don't even want to go down that road if I can help it. Like I said, it's one of those questions that the people that ask it, it doesn't seem like an unreasonable question, but once you go through the why it doesn't make sense... It kind of puts the ball back in their court. Like if you tell your architect what your budget is, he's got responsibility to hit that budget. And if he doesn't hit the budget, he either should have included you in all the things that were not going to allow him to hit that budget, or it's completely on him. Yeah. Them, sure. Her, whatever. Whoever. Them, That's right. They. Well, here's the thing. So we've been talking a little about architectural fees, and if it's not that hard. 
if I go percentage of construction, hourly rates, all that kind of stuff to kind of come up with a ballpark number. Sure. Right. Even if you use a percentage of construction as a, as kind of a rule of thumb, it tells you that, Hey, if I'm going to do a $500,000 house and I'm going to work with this architect and he charges me 10%, 10%. I know that it's going to be about $50,000. $50, that's, that's like a starting point. Maybe it's going to go up. Maybe it's going to go down. Maybe it's a 12% guy. Maybe it's an 8% guy. Maybe I don't need that service. You can kind of whittle at it, but you can kind of go, this, this is, I'm in the ballpark. Yeah. So I'll tell you when I, I was doing a little research as I am prone, prone to, do, to do to last offer, night to for... offer. Yeah, I did it. Well, yes, I actually pulled this article this morning. I got up early just to track this information down. Yeah. And I'm not going to give this website any pub whatsoever because it gives me such heartburn. But I got to tell you, this article was in 2019. So as of this recording, it's not even two months old. Yeah. And they said that the, the national average cost for hiring an architect is $4,666. That's impossible. Yeah, there's no way. There's, there's no way that you're getting any kind of, like, like does that person ever meet their architect? Yeah. Are they maybe, buying, that's the on, maybe they're counting online plan sales I, in I that still, number. I don't know how it works. And the range they have, so the national average was basically $4,600. The maximum, oh, the minimum cost. You ready for this? The minimum cost. $500. No, you're way off. Oh, okay. $70. Oh, what? I go, how does it even work? For half an hour or something? I go, that alone means I should have stopped. This is like in the first quarter of the page. You should have I should have punted out. I go, yeah. there's obviously something incredibly moronic about saying the minimum cost for hiring an architect is $70. There's clearly something damaged about this. Yeah, I don't know. But this I, is br this is brand new, folks. If you go on, you know how I found it. I typed in how much does it cost to hire an architect, and this was at the very. I didn't say my research was good, <laughs> or very in depth. It wasn't thorough. Yeah, yeah. It was like you can Google search that. But fast. I go. But, but here's the thing. I go, I wanted to be the Dick and Jane client and say I, I want to have this question. I'm going to do I, it. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to ask Google. How much does it cost to hire an architect? This is the first thing that's going to come up. And if I have people calling me and saying, hey, I hear you're $70. $70. I'm like, oh, what? None of you make sense. That's like barely my daughter's allowance. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> she doesn't get allowance. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. All right. So the maximum cost is a staggering $15,000. Listeners, you can do this probably in your head. But if you say, all right, what's a, let's say I have like a, a reasonable salary job. Say I make $50,000 a year, which is really not great for someone who has as much education and training as most architects have to have to be licensed sure. architects. Yeah. And I go, if I divide that number by a factor of how many hours I work in a year, 2080, I'm like, guess what you get for your $4,600? You get like three days worth of work for someone who does not, he's not paying a second mortgage off on his beach house. Yeah. This is not. This guy's not he's living not the life of Riley. Yeah. He's making so much money. Yeah. Right. So I go. This really bothers me. I love it. This is so live studio. Art, just so much energy in the room. Can you feel it? Yeah. Can you feel it? It's just banging on the walls. They want to get in so bad. I know. They want into us. I know. We're like at the zoo. Right, we are like at the zoo. Someone needs to throw me a cocktail. We're <laughs> <laughs> banana. No, I don't like bananas. Oh well. All right. So I have this phrase that. I've already mentioned it once during this podcast, and it has to do with I try to collaborate at every step along the way with the people who hire me. And I have this mentality 
it's skin in the game. All right. I'm not in this for myself. We're in this together. And as such, homeowner, you have to have some skin in the game, which means you're part of the process making these you decisions. You have to care about what's happening. Right. I mean, like. Not that you don't care, but you have to care the same level as I do almost, right? Yes, I would agree with that. But from a financial standpoint, since we're talking about architectural fees, I need them to be invested in what I'm doing from a financial standpoint so that I'm not wasting my time at the end. And, and their they say, money. They say, oh, my yeah. God, you're so over budget. And I got to go fix that. But I go, you need to give me something that I can work with. Like a screw gun, maybe? Is there, is there like a roulette wheel? That's nice. They, they uh, pulled it out for us just yeah, for this recording? Yeah, that's nice. Special. It, thanks, it, like thanks a, fellas. Awesome. A what do they get? Like, they're probably getting like a t-shirt. Uh, they're probably getting cocktails. A so plastic <laughs> bottle that's got, you know, show village on it. That's all right. They're getting free beers. That's no, what getting. Well, it happens. So skin in the game. I think it's important. I think the homeowners have to be included in the process so that when they make a decision to say, hey, all the rooms that you asked for and the size that you wanted them to be once we laid it out is 300 square foot bigger than you originally said, you like, I want a 5,000 square foot house. Well, we're at 5,300 square foot. So what do you want to make smaller? Well, I don't want to make anything smaller. Guess what? At this moment, you're going to be over budget. Yeah. Because sure. 300 square feet is not free. Yeah. Right. And my favorite is that we get a lot of clients that bring them in and they, it's just lines, right? So they just add up the square footage of the rooms they want, and you forget, hey, walls have thicknesses. There's, Wall, there's hallways, a, there's circulation. stuff, man. You know, it's like, that's not how it works. And we do go through this. In yeah. the very beginning, we go through a process where we say, here's all the rooms. Here's kind of some typical sizes, like what you should expect. And it adds up to a square footage. And we put like either a 15% or a 20% multiplier, multiplier on it yeah, to, get on it the to stuff say yeah. wall thickness. And we have to explain, this is for wall thickness and for hallways, yeah. circulation, all that yeah. kind of good stuff. For your air conditioner. And this is the thing that always amazes me. The people that hire me are smart, they're successful, they're good at what they do. Yeah. And so I'm always a little amazed when they come back later and I say, hey, the project is costing more than we anticipated. And I'll say, hey, do you remember when we made it 300 square feet and you said that you didn't want to make it, you know, any smaller? You didn't want to cut 300 square feet? Did you not think that the 300 square feet were going to cost something? Like, it's not free. There's nothing free in this process. So if we say your house is going to cost $200 a square foot. And we're over by 300 square foot, and that's what we've been designing to is this budget based on an estimated cost per square foot on a certain size house. We're over budget instantly. Immediately, before it even starts. And they're like, how does that happen? And I go, you're a smart person. It's math. So I had to learn early on that we say, this is the square footage that we're targeting. And when we go over it, we say, what do you want to cut out? Here's the ramifications of this. Are you going to be acceptable to... The budget increase. Yeah. Or you have to make a decision to put in four by four white tile instead of this beautiful glass tile that was made in Italy. And we're back to the $3 toilet. We're back to a saw bucket, sawdust (laughs) toilet. The Home Depot bucket with sawdust. Yeah. So I would say that there are a million different ways that architects can charge for their fees. But generally speaking, there's the percentage of the cost of construction. Which I always thought was a good one, but it has some issues to it. There's the charge hourly, which works good for a lot of our clients. And it works good for us from a professional standpoint. Like I said, it's defensible. So we know we're not going to lose money on the process, but we never kill it either. Yeah. We're never rewarded for being efficient. That's right. We say this is going to take 10 hours and we do it in four. I charge for four. Yeah. That's how that works. Yeah. So there's. There's pros and cons to that process. For sure. There's the hybrid models, which in some regards, 
it's good because I can work hourly to certain to help define the scope and know exactly what we're doing. And you're not having to pay for things that you don't need. But if I'm not good or don't do a thorough job in my construction documents, that creates problems as well. And that's the fixed fee part. So the takeaway for all this is none of these are particularly great and none of them are particularly bad. What's important is you find one that you can make peace with as yeah, that you're comfortable with. And that seems good. And it makes sense. I think that the other thing is, I mean, your architect should be really transparent about it. I mean, if they start trying to be shady, which no one I know would do Of course that, not. But some probably do, right? Just like every business. But you just got to make sure that they're trying to be transparent or make sure that they're being transparent with what they're giving you and what you're getting and what you're paying for and what you're not paying for. Even if you don't understand all of it, at and least like, you have an idea. And of in it, all right? things in life, that comes back to good communication. For sure. And I would think that in that initial one meeting, two meetings, if you don't feel like you're getting good communication from your architect, you're gonna have you're gonna have issues. Yeah, it's gonna it's only gonna continue to get doesn't get better, worse. Or it may stay at the stay same the level same. of yeah. not great. Yeah. So you're, if you were gonna hire, let's say you're not an architect, but you know what you know because you are an architect, which model would you go with? Percentage of construction, probably. You go with percentage because that's what I'm used to. Yeah. yeah, but if I wasn't an architect. I still think I would do that because then I would know, right? Like, I know what my budget is and I can gauge what the fee should be. You can plan for it. Kind of right off the bat. Because even if I, if you did the hourly thing, I don't know enough to know that. You get in that thing about, well, it took 20 hours and I thought that was a two-hour task. So, but if I know yeah. it's going to be around X number percentage of what my budget is, I can kind of live with that, right? To me. Sure. I get a little bit of flexibility in my mind from that, but that would be where it is. I was thinking, how would I answer that question? And it's hard for me because we now do hourly and I went, well, that makes sense to me because it's what we do now. And I know the benefits that our clients reap as a reward of that. Yeah. But what we end up doing, because there's always the, how much is the bed going to cost before I buy it? I want to know what kind of bed I'm climbing into before, sure. I, before I write my check. So what we generally try to do is we tell folks, we charge hourly and this is why. And here's the reason why we think it's good for you. And here's why you benefit from this. But just so you have a feel for where we might be heading, we typically give a, a range on where the f total fees might end up as a percentage of the budget. And sure. for us, then we go, I charge hourly, but generally we fall somewhere in the 7 to 10% range. So if you're readily available, you make decisions super fast, you don't have like a million iterations that you want to go to because this is a fun process, which that's something we deal with a lot. People are like, I love it. Let's do, what if we did this? What if we did this? What, what if we did, did that? Yeah. Right. And if we don't go through that it, process, sure. I did a project it completed about a year and a half ago. It was about a $300 square foot house. It was a nice house. It was big. Our percentage of fee relative to that was barely 5%. It was well documented. It was beautifully built. We didn't have any issues with the owners along the way. There was no misunderstandings. I was there every single time that we needed something. Yeah. I drove by it almost every it day on work. It was a straight process. It, it was, was just really, right? it was really efficient. Yeah. Now, we had another job that we did that the client wanted us to literally do every possible thing ever in the history of architecture. And it's because the house was remote and they're like, we want you to draw all the flashing details that are part of the manufacturer's package for this roof. Cause like there's not somebody watching the contractor every single day. And we wanted to create from a documentation standpoint, a defensible position. So something goes south. Sure. Right? So we drew tons of details, details that yeah. we would never really, really draw do, yeah. because coordinate. they're typical standard details from that manufacturer who does that route for whatever. That's right. And yeah. we ended up at a much higher percentage for that project. People say, what do your drawings look like? I can't show them that one. This is I mean, too much. It's yeah. spectacularly detailed. And they're like, whoa. Because then the exact opposite come back and they say, 
wow, I'm paying for all that. Like, well, I don't know that I need, all, need that. all of that. Yeah. And then they start thinking, well, so then you have to tell the story. And so, so generally speaking, we say about seven to 10 percent is where we end up. But what makes the difference between if that's a low percentage or a higher percentage is you is the, the client. client. Yeah. And that circles back to the I need them to have skin in the game. They're part of the process. They sure. have to be part of that process. Sure. More than money. So now is the part of the podcast where we humanize ourselves. And this week we're going to do a hypothetical, right? Yes. Which I love. Did Those I tell you that I thought that a nice spinoff podcast would be just hypotheticals? Only. Just, I love it. Yeah. I, I really <laughs> do. I think they're funny. So here's the hypothetical question for today. Would you rather have to say everything that comes to mind or never say anything again? So if you think it, you got to say it. And the only option is you can't talk at all. You can't all. talk at all. Well, for me, that's kind of an easy one, I think, because it's going to be not talk at all. Is that because you're so scared of the I'm, things you would I'm say? A, no, well, I mean, I don't talk that much anyway, right? I'm sort of quiet most of the time anyway. But, yeah, it would be also because of the things I think. If I had to say them all, like just walking around here and being like, oh, look at that, or, what, you know, all these things that just pop into my head. A lot of them are very inappropriate, probably. It could get me into trouble. I can confirm that, like, almost all of them will be inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, I would have to go with I'm silent. Maybe I'd learn sign language or something, more than what I know now, which is, you know, the universal symbols of a few yeah, things. Yeah, you know, but, like three. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but probably I'd just stay silent. I think I could manage. That'd be probably tough. better. I could manage that better than I could manage everything that comes to yeah, my brain, I, 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 comes out of my do mouth. How do your job? How do you talk to your kids? Don't do that. That's not a good boy for you to spend time with. I mean, uh, how do you... I, I go, don't know. I don't know how you do that. So, <laughs> but at the same time, when he shows up at the house, I go, God, this kid's a moron. Why are you, know you even? Why are you even dating this idiot? He doesn't need to be in my house. You stink, guy. Can you go away? I hate your car. Like all these things, right? Like so, silence is sometimes better, golden, right? For sure. But you know what? I definitely would not want you to die. Be, no, I don't know that I would die. Oh, you'd die. I wouldn't die. Your folks. head would explode, really. No, I do worry that because I say a lot of things like. You know, out of the corner of my mouth, yeah. like that, and I go, "Why couldn't I still do that?" No, we, there's no caveat that says I need to broadcast the fact that I think that <laughs> I guy's a moron. True. I didn't go with the "I could say it under my breath" idea. Yeah, I, I could still do it. I could do exactly what I'm doing right now, <laughs> which is say it, but not like to that person. That'd be yes. the way I go. But I, I do say my biggest fear would be, you know, I mean, you know. I, the way I am, I, I'm a genuine person. Like people who, if you read the blog or if you listen to the podcast, I am who I present myself to be. For the most part. No, no, no. I'm not, there's nothing fake about what they're getting. They're just no, not getting, no, no. They're not getting all they're of it. They're just not getting all of it. They're not true. getting all of it. This is true. Yeah, right? I, I reserve some of it for people who need to know me in a little bit Better more way. in depth yeah, before sure. I start making comments that are probably not nice things to say about folks. <laughs> I don't know a nice way to put it. Yeah. So I would be a little concerned about just blurting out stuff. But I think that everybody, I don't think that's unique to me at all. But the thing is, is they don't know that you have to say everything, everything that comes, comes to your great. mind. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. So, yeah, that's the fear. I'm but still voting for silence. That's it's better I, for me. I couldn't do it. See, here's the thing. I already say a lot of stuff that I probably shouldn't say. <laughs> this is true. And see, and I don't. So that's why it's easier for me to go the other way. I have a tendency to keep my mouth shut instead of opening it. And you are somewhat the opposite. Yeah. Cause you know, well, <laughs> yeah, but see, I don't think it's a bad thing. If I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that's how you are. People know where they stand with me. Bad. Yeah, there's no, if I'm upset with you, you're going to know it. 
Uh, I'm not upset with you, but I also don't hold grudges. I recover very quickly. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to call that a wrap. Thank you for being with us for today's episode, Demystifying Architectural Fees. Our thanks goes out to Pella for being today's sponsor. And thanks for the show Village for allowing us to sit in this lovely living room that's got people all around us making tons of noise and spinning roulette wheels. Created, banging on the side of the house and created, the windows and everything. Great atmosphere. It's perfect. Lots of energy. So but we're still grateful. Thank you so very much. Very grateful. If you like today's episode, you can find it in your heart. Please take the next 30 seconds and head on over to iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast so you can get fresh new episodes automatically downloaded to your podcast player of choice. While you're there, and but only if you're feeling generous, please leave us a comment, some feedback. We want to hear what you're thinking about the show. And a five-star Shiny Rocks and Feathers rating if you haven't already. Because that's how, when I first started doing this, that's how I got paid. Shiny Rocks and Feathers. Shiny Rocks and Feathers. I got you. Be sure to visit theoriginallifeofanarchitect.com for show notes, links, info, and photos from the episode. Also, be sure to stick around until the very end, and we'll reward you with our version of the blooper reel. Thanks so much for tuning in. Cheers. See you on the flip side. And that's my favorite. Everybody's They're like, like, what's the quality of the yeah, wall? Banging on the on the siding outside going, crunk, crunk, crunk. I can't count the number of people I've seen try to come in this door. We're ready. Yeah. Yeah, make me in focus. I mean, dude. I would prefer to be out of focus, <laughs> but. I mean, you can't take responsibility for my mental focus. But you can make me like taller and more muscular with your camera, right? I was like, is there some, is there some filter on there that I can, yeah. you can stretch me out? Okay, I'm going to call that a wrap. Thank you for being with us for today's episode, live from the Builder's Show Village. I'm going to start over because you shot my wheels off. (laughs) I didn't think you were going to say it. No, I have a line. I got to get in here. All right, sorry. Okay, I'm going to call that a wrap. Thank you for being with us for today's episode, Demystifying Architectural Fees. I got to say it again. (laughs) That is not my fault. You know what? I didn't do it. Everyone's looking at Eyeballing me. All right. Why did you move in like this so it's like super blasty? I don't know. All right, say it I again. I was worried All about right. being loud. <clears throat> Thank you so They're much for loud. tuning in. Oh, we We're gonna, I'm going to give you a chance to correct. Thank you. He's never done this before, guys. I don't know if you knew that. This is the first time. Welcome, and Andrew. The kind of Welcome, get, Andrew, right? to the show, everybody. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. Cheers. See you on the flip side. Did you see him do it again? Yeah, I you did. talk all the time and you go... Just barely a little bit. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Okay, then we'll do it. Do it again one more time. Fine. See if you can do it. I'll do it.